0: Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, WorkerBeing.com, on social media, or you
1: can support our community at WorkerBeing.com community.
0: So today we're going to be talking about a little bit of a heavy topic, but I think it's an important one and maybe something that some of you out there have thought about before. It's about trauma in the workplace and experiences of trauma. So we've talked about stress and stressors before. This is a more extreme um, version of that. And we're gonna also be delving into the way that traumas that you experience at work can impact significant others. And so not to kick things off in such a heavy direction, and this will have to do with what the article found, before we start talking about the article itself, I was wondering, um, just thinking about normal stressors, because um, traumatic events are sort of amped up versions of stressors, just thinking about normal stressors, when you or Danny's had a bad day, who's more likely to talk about it, and who's more likely to talk about it more, like what, who's more likely to raise it, and what does that like conversation look like? So before I answer your question, I just have to say that one
1: of my cats like just jumped on my head, literally jumped on my head as (laughs) you were saying that. So it was like, it's like, this is going to, you know, this is going to be a more serious topic. And then a cat
0: (laughs) jumps on my head and I was like, okay, well, apparently she doesn't like that idea. Your (laughs) cat is like, look, I'm here as the comic relief. You need me. I'm here for you. I got this it's like we're not being serious
1: (laughs) oh my goodness so I was like trying not to laugh as you're like talking about something serious because there was a cat on my head but um (laughs) anyways um so hopefully that light diversion (laughs) kind of lightens the mood a bit but um it's a good question about like talking about stress at the end of the day and you know who's more likely to kind of share honestly we both are we're not really good at hiding our emotions so you know this about me like I'm like the first person to cry like everything um and he he's not a good emotional control type of person either Mm -hmm. so I feel like if we've had a bad day it's just immediately obvious that we've had a bad day so there's no avoiding talking about it from either of us um like we're gonna be like snippy and we're, you know, we sound terrible, but like, (laughs) um, we're not, we're not, it's very clear. So we both will talk about it, um, fairly easily together and, uh, share kind of what's been going on. So I wouldn't say like one of us is more likely to talk about a bad day than the other, because I think we both just know when the other person is having a bad day and then checks in. So, um, which is actually kind of nice because neither of us have to necessarily bring it up if we don't want to Mm -hmm. but usually you want to share you want the other person to know something um or at least know that you had a bad day like because we know when the other person had a bad day like we can kind of traverse that well um Mm -hmm. but i think yeah i think we're both pretty equally likely to share what about you
0: you're both sharers um which is good um there will be some like uh cautions around that but then also some positives around that um so uh just to give a little cliffhanger I would say for me (laughs) I'm 100% more likely to talk about it um I think uh I generally tend to unpack like every detail of my day um to Brendan like it like always I'm just like this happened and this happened and like if it's good or (laughs) bad or whatever I'm like definitely a sharer um particularly around work stuff he's much more like okay I worked that's done and now I want to like kind of turn the page on that and not think about it or talk about it because he's just like that part of the day is finished so I think um, if I ask questions he always answers them so it's not like he's like avoidant but he will never bring it up it's more like he just wants it to be like a closed book so I would say I definitely share a lot with him which I have some takeaways of pros and cons on that and he's less of a sharer. there are also pros and cons around that so um so I -hmm. think um I think yeah we have more of like a if I ask he'll say but no one needs to ask me to tell them anything I'll tell people whatever they want to know or whatever they don't want (laughs) to (laughs) know
1: well then you're more similar to Danny and I in that sense but um does he does Brendan ever like reach say that he's had a bad day is that like ever a thing like even when it's a really bad day he's just like "Mm, book closed moving on
0: I can tell it because he works from home I can tell when he's had like a really stressful day so but he won't um he won't be like oh I want to tell you about my day like I'll have to be like wow your day seemed really stressful and then he'll be like yeah this happened or that happened or whatever and he'll tell you but like if mm. I don't ask, I think he would just be more than happy to be like, well, that's done. Like, put that behind hmm. me. Bye. Like, he doesn't really want to like recap it.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I mean, we also both work from home. So I, it's kind of similar. Like, that, I think that's part of why we know so clearly if someone else has had a bad day. It's like if I had like a rough meeting or I'm like upset about something, I just like, Huff out of my office and like go get a drink, and he like sees me huff out of my office, and he's like, "Huh, something's clearly wrong." Or for him, he's more of a I curse loudly when I'm mad about something. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, I'll just hear him like yell something from the other room, and I'm just like, "Oh, something happened." Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of signals when you both work in the same house. Yeah. Uh, to know if the other person has had a bad day.
0: Yeah, it's a lot easier to pick up on. Um, when you're in the same space for sure. But um, tell me
1: about this article. I'm very curious to see like, you know, what are the good things about that? Bad things about that? You know, yeah. what can we do better?
0: Yeah. So I think the first, the first big takeaway is that trauma and stress are different. So we were talking just now more about stressors. So I think it's good for us to make that distinction. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is, Trauma and stress are different, but trauma does happen at work. And so I'll talk about uh, sort of how and when that occurs. Um, the second piece is that trauma impacts the person that you share a space with. And in this instance, they looked at significant others. I feel that this could easily also apply to roommates or family members that you're sharing space with, right? That. Um, You can actually spread your trauma to other people and there's some pretty shocking to me um, uh, relationships between the employee's trauma and their partner's trauma Um, and then um, or their experience of vicarious trauma and then there are certain things that you can do as a couple because this was about significant others uh, to make things better or worse. So I'm going to talk about what those better or worse things are so that if you are experiencing trauma and you want to try to not pass it along to another person or if you're with someone who's experiencing trauma that you might be able to recognize these patterns and try to make them um, healthier for everyone. So those are the three things we're going to break down today.
1: Interesting. Yes. I definitely want to hear the difference between stress and trauma. I mean, like I, you know, conceptually know there's obviously a big difference there, but you know, we've been talking about stress and I'm thinking even just like, we know that emotions that you bring home from work can spread to your family too. So it makes sense to me that trauma would kind of fall along those same lines. And when I think about stress and like bad days that we were talking about a second ago, it's similar, right? If Danny's had a really rough day, like Ultimately, my day is not as good as it could have been because I'm, you know, with him and feeling for him and all of those things. Yeah. Uh, so it does impact me um, in a way that, you know, obviously isn't positive. So I'm not surprised to hear that trauma has this impact, but mm-hmm. obviously trauma is much bigger. So it's like a little scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start just by kind of defining what trauma and what stress is so you can get a sense of what I'm talking about when I'm saying you can vicariously experience trauma through another person. So a regular stressor is things uh, are things like I have too much work to do. Um, I have too many things to do in a day and not enough time to do them. Um, I don't like the job that I'm doing Uh, I feel like the people that I work with maybe are clashing with me personality-wise. These are all things that are stressful and definitely cause people to have distress. But they're more universally experienced. So you probably recognize some of those things as just being something that comes along with the job. It's not, uh, obviously, we hope that that's not true. But you wouldn't say, you know, oh, I'm experiencing this really unique problem. I don't like a lot of my coworkers or something, right? Like that's something that, happens fairly frequently. You probably have had conversations over the course of your life about how people deal with that. Um and you might expect to some extent that at some point you're going to feel like you have too many tasks to do or at some point you're going to feel like there are going to be tasks that you need to do that you don't like to do or that the task makes you feel anxious, right? So right. regular stressors are things that are more frequently experienced on the job, they're more universally experienced. And that means you can sort of mentally prepare yourself that, okay, at some point this is probably going to occur and you have built up sort of resources and normalized that to a place where it doesn't catch you off guard, which is part of what the problem with a traumatic experience is, is that it's more unpredictable. So hopefully that makes sense of what a regular stressor is before I turn into talking about traumatic stressor.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense for a regular stressor. Um, and I know we've talked about it before. We defined it on the blog before. So um, it's something that we, I mean, we talk, when we talk about things not being good at work, we're generally talking about stressors. Like, I don't think we've really delved into the trauma area before mm-hmm. much. Um, so really, like, kind of everything that we typically discuss is around stress more than trauma. So that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, so we haven't actually, um, when I went to look through um, whether or not we've discussed trauma before, because you know we've been doing this for quite some time, and so I was like, huh, have we talked about this? We haven't, but we've actually talked about some, a couple of things that classify as traumatic events. So the most commonly uh, occurring traumatic events that happen in work have to do with bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, or otherwise, um, experiences of violence, Witnessing or experiencing injury, witnessing death of other people, whether that's coworkers or clients. So you think about people working in a hospital setting, for example, if you're in an ER. So, a traumatic stressor is something that is more acute. So, it happens in a shorter span of time. It's not like permeating or ongoing. It's high in intensity, it's unpredictable, more likely to be unpredictable when it happens it happens less frequently. It's less universally experienced. So you feel more overwhelmed. You've had less time to really like anticipate that this might happen. And you generally tend to feel less prepared for it. So a traumatic stressor feels very threatening and overwhelming, um, and disturbing to people. So if you're experiencing something traumatic, you might feel fear or helplessness or confusion, Um, And it has these really long-lasting negative effects on your attitudes and your behaviors and the way that you feel, the emotions that you're feeling in the workplace in a different way than a regular stressor. So you can imagine if you're being bullied, the likely scenario that plays out there is not that the person's constantly bullying you in front of people all day long. It's that there's these episodes, right? So the person might be really nice to you in meetings in front of other people or they might be nice to you on certain occasions and then suddenly they'll turn and have really horrible things to say to you or treat you really poorly. And so the unpredictableness and the intensity and also the feeling of like, I'm singled out. I'm really going through this alone is something that makes something traumatic as opposed to just a regular stressor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense because I'm the unexpected nature of it and the, um, the like, ex- I want to say extremity but that's not what the word I'm looking for but the more <laughs> extreme yeah yeah um the more extreme uh the the like situation that you're in obviously is gonna have yeah. a very different impact than like like you're saying earlier the things you anticipate like you know there's gonna be days where you might have too much work to do like that is not mm-hmm. something that is so wildly out of the realm of possibility that you've never considered it before or you haven't thought about it before or it hasn't happened to people around you before right so it's like a very different lens from what you described at the traumatic side I mean some of the examples you gave like if you're in a hospital setting like maybe it's not as infrequent or unexpected mm-hmm. but But generally speaking, and even then it might be, you know, maybe it's expected that an older person dies from something that's fairly common, like a heart attack. But then if you see like a younger person from something more extreme, like that's probably more in the realm of trauma for individuals that Mm -hmm. are in a hospital setting. Right. Um, So. Yeah, it's just it's a very different feeling than what. A normal stressor is and I think people can think about this in their personal life too right like when we talk about trauma it's not like TikTok and doesn't talk about trauma all the time and how to deal with trauma and we're seeing you know people are talking about it a lot more like in therapies and like talk about mm-hmm. therapy and going for trauma reasons um when people are talking about trauma they're not talking about uh the fact that like they've had too much to do in their household or um you know some kind of minor day-to-day Stressor that happens over and over again—it's usually something big. So I think with the when you think about your personal life, that distinction is clear too for most people. So I think that that makes sense here in the business setting as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you think about—and I think you're exactly right—there can be different benchmarks for what's stressful that vary. Um, But when you think about the examples that we've been using, where you know your boss is sexually harassing you, which is something we have actually talked about. Um, on the podcast before, and uh, we've talked about bullying before as well, that generally those types of acts are not things that like are happening out in the open all the time. It's things that maybe behind closed doors. Somebody is saying something or doing something to you that you feel really fearful about or stressed about. Um, And so when you're experiencing that, it feels overwhelming. You're not sure who to tell. You don't know who you can trust. All of those things are super important. So Um, for predicting whether or not something is just a regular stressor or whether it truly enters into the territory of being traumatic. So um, hopefully, given these examples, you can think about how trauma could happen in any kind of workplace setting where a bully could be or someone who would harass someone could be. And then it might be more frequently occurring around injury or illness or death in certain settings like hospital settings or settings where there's lots of machinery that could be really dangerous And then with regard to violence, of witnessing violence, that's much more likely um, in uh, instances like a military context, but could also happen if you think about, sadly, people who go through um, experiencing and witnessing workplace violence where people come into their workplace and commit acts of violence at work, how long it takes for people to be able to heal from that experience. It's not a normal work stressor. It's something that's sort of more acute and out of the ordinary.
1: Yeah, I, I think that definition is super clear. So now that we know the difference, what yes. else can you tell us from these takeaways?
0: Yeah, so basically this was a meta-analysis that I looked at, which we've talked about many times before meta-analyses are uh, big studies that push together all the findings from a bunch of smaller studies to say, okay, across all of these studies, what is it that we can sort of conclude? And so there have been a lot of studies that show that traumatic expo- exposure to traumatic stressors at work creates more distress, more PTSD for the employee themselves. What this uh, meta-analysis showed, and it was really interesting, is that that's also true for people's significant others. So your traumatic stress exposure predicts your feelings of distress and potential development of uh, post-traumatic stress um, symptoms where people are very jumpy, um, they're more reactive to loud sounds, they have intrusive thoughts, flashbacks, unwanted memories, um, that pop into their minds at inconvenient times. Um, more likely to experience that if you've been exposed to a traumatic stressor, but your partner is equally likely to develop those same symptoms as you are having experienced it yourself based on your level of traumatic stress exposure, which is so crazy.
1: Wow. I would never have expected equally likely that is Wild. I, wow. Yeah. That, oh man, that's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, I thought that was crazy. So it truly is, um, if you're going through something, your partner's also going through it. I think for me, a big takeaway from that is that I think oftentimes, and I'm going to get to the pros and cons of sharing in the third takeaway, but I think oftentimes, you know, when you're the person that's gone through something, you're venting to your significant other about it talking it through, whatever, you're really thinking in your mind that you're doing that to help yourself to think it through and to probably get advice or guidance from them or just to get like support, right? Which is all making sense. But I don't think that a lot of people are thinking about that as, okay, but I'm also creating more collective trauma because I'm actually just passing my feelings directly on to somebody else. Right. So for me, I feel like that was a really big takeaway that, um, Oh, if I am sharing about something that happened, that's really upsetting to me. That has some consequences on the other person. And it's not just positive for me to share and get support. There's also this other negative piece of it.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, when you talk about the sharing piece, I think we'll understand a little bit better what to do about that, but there's definitely like Mike, my- Initial reaction is like, oh, like I don't want to share that with my partner then, but yeah. like obviously you do want to because it'd be weird to hide something like that, right? Yeah. Like you're not gonna hide that from your partner either, but and maybe it's like limiting the amount of sharing you do, or I don't know. That's really really tough, um, yeah. and I'm just kind of thinking back. You know, I'm not gonna get super into details about like personal experiences, but just kind of thinking back through, like, recent history in my family, like, I think I didn't appreciate that. And I bet you that was occurring. You know, like, I, I bet that there's been instances mm-hmm. where, you know, something happened with one of us, and we've been talking about it and experiencing it, and I, I feel like that's probably happened and just hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm really being honest with myself and thinking back through, you know, hard moments in our lives, it makes sense. Like I can totally see that that was probably true, but I, you know, especially in times where I was the first person touched by the trauma, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, You just, you're so bogged down into your own thing that you don't realize it. That's, and I definitely feel like I was guilty of that in the past.
0: Yeah, I think we all do that, and that was part of what I was thinking about too. Is that, um, you know, there's this, this real, um, I think, inclination to feel like the venting is on the whole just helpful because the person who's experiencing the traumatic event is the one who's experienced it, and them telling the other person is going to help because they're getting this social support from the other person and you're not really thinking about the fact that oh well this could be actually harming the other person by having this conversation i think and i don't think the other person always thinks about it that way either like um, so i think a good a good takeaway is not to downplay if you're going through something your partner's probably going through it too and so not downplaying that i think is really important because they might also have some feelings and emotions and want to work through some things as you're sharing with them that um, they might need, uh, some support around that might not be, you know, people might think like, well, I'm the one going through it. Like, why are they in a bad mood or why are they acting like they're the one that needs help now? That actually is something that is, um, possible. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, I think that it's just important to, to understand that.
1: I agree. It's a really good reminder because then if you're the person that's going through it, like the initial person, I guess we'll call them, um, keeping that in mind is really helpful because then you will maybe remember to check in on them too. Because mm-hmm. I think the person that's hearing it, the, per- the, the partner that didn't experience it firsthand, let's say that partner is likely, uh, they're probably less likely to talk about it and vent about it because they feel like they're not the ones exper- like that probably almost makes it worse. Right. Cause like they're mm-hmm. the ones that are not quote, not experiencing it. So they probably don't feel like they have the the space or should take space to talk about how they're feeling about it because the they want to support their the other person at least that's like I can imagine that would be my inclination right yeah um, but not sharing it and not also acknowledging that it's trauma for you I'm sure doesn't help so I think you know obviously for both parties but especially the person that's the initial trauma person that one you know being able to kind of check in on the the partner I think is important to keep in mind
0: yeah yeah um I think so too uh so knowing that and knowing that um we need to keep that in mind now the question is okay well how do we do that because as you mentioned before The right answer is not going to be, well, just don't ever talk about anything that's traumatic that's happening to you uh, (laughs) with people who are important to you because that would not be a good solution. So um, what they did was they looked at, and again, because this is based around a lot of different studies um, that all examine these relationships, um, they looked at a couple of different things that people do um, when one person's experienced trauma and they're interacting with each other around it. And there's really only one pathway that's helpful. So I'll tell you a bunch of things that is not that are not good. One is that when people um, experience a traumatic stressor at work and share with their partner, the partner is more likely to report that their relationship quality has gone down. So instead of thinking that um, you are strengthening the relationship by sharing it, they actually feel like, uh, maybe overwhelmed themselves and like it's potentially causing some issues um, because that person's just not happy. Um, and so these things are things like how much disagreement or tension or anxiety do we experience or the sorts of things that they ask about in relationship quality. So it creates this feeling that maybe there's some tension between the people, even if it's not to do with the people because they're talking about tense topics. And that mm-hmm. tends to make the partner's distress Worse, so I'm going to put a pin in that. So your relationship quality um, can decrease. Um, perceptions of relationship quality can go down as a result. Another thing that can happen in in light of employees going through traumatic stressors is that their partner can perceive that they have a burden on them of social support. That they feel like they have to be there for that person, and that it could be draining for them. So they start to view that person more as a burden, and their support more as like something that's exhausting than they might under normal circumstances. And that can also lead Mm. to more distress for the partner. So your relationship quality can go down and you might start to feel like the person's burdening you with having to provide support. Um, And then the next one is that, um, and and then I'll switch to what does work. The other thing that um, seems to happen is that when people experience these traumatic events, they're more likely to um, view their relationship as being marked by more conflict with each other Um, or more negative interaction styles. So perhaps if someone's going through this traumatic stuff, they're just interacting in a way that's more negative. Um, They have more negative moods. They might be more likely to pick fights. Um, And so their partner is reporting like, yeah, we're fighting more frequently. Things are not as happy as they used to be. And that also causes greater tension for the partner. So those three things, um, I feel like our relationship um, might be more strained. I feel like I'm being burdened with providing support and I feel like we're just experiencing more conflict and maybe negative interactions than we were before are all possible um, under um, this model which then makes it it partially explains why partners experience so much trauma vicarious trauma from people who are going through it themselves so that's that's the bad stuff.
1: And all of it, I think, isn't surprising, right? We we know that when you're going through something really difficult, your mood's bad. You're likely not treating people quite as well. You're a little bit more, you're shorter, right? Like you have a shorter fuse, if you will. So Mm -hmm. people are more likely to get upset with each other for stupid reasons just because you're already kind of in that negative space. So there probably is a little bit more conflict, right? There's probably yeah. is some some more strain in the relationship itself, not intentionally, but because of all the negative emotions that are kind of circling around the person that has experienced the trauma. So I think all of what you laid out makes a lot of sense, feels right, if you will. Like there's like an intuitive alignment with how you'd expect things to go if you're going through yeah. something really difficult and you know you were mentioning that yes okay well sometimes you think that if you're going through something tough it brings you closer but it doesn't really bring you closer during it it brings you closer after it mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's the thing that we forget when we talk about those things because during it it's really stressful for everybody involved so yeah yeah I'm not surprised
0: yeah so I think I think that's the I think that's sort of the downside is okay if you are going through something traumatic, you need to really give credence to and pay attention to the fact that as you're sharing this together, it is going to be stressful. It will probably create some strain and there will be an impact on your partner. So you can't just be like, well, I know I lost my job and I'm really stressed about it. And that was traumatic to me because I left because I was being harassed or I was in a bullying environment or whatever. And this whole situation's horrible. And I need you to provide me like unwavering positive support that's actually really hard. (laughs) So sometimes your expectations might need to shift and you might also Mm -hmm. need to realize that you're both coping with something together as opposed to thinking about it as like, I'm coping with something and this person's just like along for the ride. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's helpful, but there is one thing that did work that they actually thought was not going to work. Um, They thought it was going to work in the opposite direction, but empathy, showing empathy and having conversations that are rooted around empathy is the only thing that actually helped to decrease the spillover to the partner. They thought that this was going to be the opposite because empathy is the partner's ability to show compassion and really put themselves in the shoes of, their, um, of the person going through the trauma, really like working through and feeling their feelings and emotions. So they actually thought, oh, the more empathic the partner is in coping with the employee who's experiencing the trauma's trauma, the worse it's going to be for their stress because they're going to um, they're going to take on that person's emotions and feel completely overwhelmed by that. But actually, mm-hmm. empathy and having empathetic conversations about this was the only thing that tended to stave off the partner experiencing vicarious trauma. So I thought that was really hmm. interesting. And what they kind of ended up saying was that there must be something special happening in the conversations that are going on that empathy is unlocking, that's allowing people to connect in a way that's actually alleviating the stress of the situation for both parties. Um, That a regular just, hey, I'm gonna vent to you and you're gonna say it'll be okay or have you thought of this or whatever, a regular social support um, conversation seems to increase feelings of burden. But when people really sit down and connect empathically around what's going on, it seems to lighten the load. I could see why they were
1: thinking it might go the opposite direction, but as you were talking about it, I was starting to think about like, you know, just nothing with trauma, but like when Danny and I both had bad days and like, what were the days where we got out of that day in a positive note versus a negative note. And it always did did have to do with like things like empathy where, Mm. Because I think what happens is the person that is on the receiving end, the empathic partner, they're figuring out what the person needs more. And so instead of like, you know, if the person needs some space, they give the space. If they can understand like what that person needs. And I think that they are actually addressing the need more versus also getting stressed out and worked up by it or, you know, and then then them being in a bad mood and kind of also snapping at each other. You know what I mean? Like I think mm-hmm. that if you are able to like really truly deeply understand what that person needs in the moment and how to best act around them and how, and understand how they're feeling. And like, if I was feeling that way, I wouldn't want someone to say X. I would want some, you know what I mean? Like I think that right. those things actually do make a big difference because now the person's being treated In a way that is helpful for them versus in a way that's maybe, you know, we talked about earlier, like the whole, well, now it's about you. Like, why are you being upset about this? Right. Because you're instead you're putting yourself in their shoes and like treating them the way you'd want to be treated, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's right. And I think also when you have those empathic conversations, you might also connect and share more as the partner about how it's impacting you you might be able to have conversations where like you're showing empathy and that inspires them to show more empathy you know so it might create Mm -hmm. just more open communication as well um Mm -hmm. that I think could be useful here and that um it seems like it is useful here so um basically the takeaway is that you know you 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 should share um, with your partner things that are going on. Trauma is not something that you want to experience alone. And, you know, these um, getting support from other people and being able to talk with other people has been shown to have positive impacts on the person who's experiencing the trauma. It's just that now you're passing it along to somebody else and that could have negative implications for your relationship. But the way to really make sure that that's not happening to the extent that it might is to really try to have those empathic dialogues about what's going on
1: yeah so it kind of feels like there's two key things if you are the person that experienced trauma when you share with your partner be cognizant of the fact that this could impact them and make them start to feel negatively have you know catch your trauma if you will And so be cognizant of that and like think about how to talk to them because then you're obviously going to be showing some empathy about how they might be feeling from this. And then from the partner side, you know, if someone's coming to you with some some sort of trauma, make sure you're being empathetic and like come in with that empathetic lens and approach. And then I think it seems like, you know, when those conversations, when you're approaching the conversation that way as partners, you're going to get into that empathic conversation where you can actually make better ground as a couple versus kind of bringing each other down, if you will.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's exactly right. Um, Yeah. And I would say if you are a leader who's in an organization where you know that people have experienced traumatic things, maybe you know that there's a bully in your organization that's high up, or maybe someone was recently fired for harassing people, or perhaps you've gone through a really significant, um, you know, injury or an illness, or you work in a place where people are dealing constantly with um, folks who are sick or uh, have, you know, medical emergencies, whatever the case may be, that you're recognizing that the people on your staff, probably even more than in other organizations, need someone to advocate for good benefits for mental health, need to be able to take time away from work to be able to decompress. Having, I was reading in the article they were talking about Having access to benefits that allow for family therapy to be covered um, can be really helpful in jobs where you're just more likely to encounter trauma uh, to be able to work through uh, these complicated things and to recognize fully that this may not be just traumatic for the one person, but it could be traumatic for their family members as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. I really love seeing organizations that have you know, mental health benefits that extend beyond the employee, just like physical health benefits do, right? Um, I think this makes the argument, this this data, this study sh- makes the argument that we really should be making sure that we are doing that effectively. So when or if something horrific occurs in the organization, um, you're also taking care of the family members because you don't want to keep basically re-traumatizing each other, right? right. Your spouse yep. isn't
0: feeling great, then you keep going back
1: and forth and that doesn't help anybody.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I think just being cognizant, it's one of those things where when you're going through a hard time, it can be hard to like put, keep your head up and think about the impact on other people. But definitely in this instance, there could be an impact on other people. And hopefully this helps you to know, keep track of that, but then also to know what you might do to alleviate that and to be more thoughtful about that for your employees too. I love
1: it. I mean, it's a great article. It's a tough subject and hopefully um, not something people are experiencing often, but I think it's important to talk about and I really appreciate you sharing this.
0: Yeah, I'm happy that you uh, were willing to listen to it and I hope everyone out there learned something new.
1: Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at contact at workerbing.com. You can find us on our website. Find us on our social, connect with us on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in hearing more about these topics or some of our own research, we'd love to come to your organization. So please send us a note and we can give you more details on that. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.